Each um, constituent part has less and less control over the thing as a whole. So, whereas it's easy to switch, say, like the policy or the, like, or bring, bring it back to fashion, like you could change the fashion of your small town with just like, it all it takes is like one cool person moving from Chicago right. into yeah. town, and then that would have changed the fashion, right? Right. And that, so it was easy. It was, it was a, like a, like a little dinghy ship that was easy to turn. But now as we're assimilating into this giant, like Uber carrier of, with the internet and everything, it's becoming more, there's more horsepower, but like no, no, like one person has the steering wheel anymore. Hey everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Can you, how would you like to be introduced? Because we didn't even go over that. That's the question I didn't ask you prior to the recording. Who, me? Yes. <laughs> um, I, well, I don't know, just in the normal way. <laughs> well, I, just ordered, I just ordered two McChickens and a double McDouble. This is going to be really good. I'm also excited. My name is Adam Smith. I wrote The Wealth of Nations. <laughs> Not really. That's the other Adam Smith. My name really is Adam Smith, though. And I bet I was all... in elementary school with the Wealth of Nations quotes or all the nicknames. Oh, yeah. You know, those bullies, <laughs> those bullies are always razzing you about Scottish dudes from the 1700s. Hey, Mike, is it true yes. that all your podcast guests, I've known you for the longest time? Have you had any other guests that you've known for as long as I've known you? No way. Impossible. No way, right? No way. We are. No, we have. We strangers. Have, we have quite a history. It's yeah. crazy to have have a history with someone, isn't it? Do you guys have any tapes? <laughs> you did. <laughs> Fuck you. Wait. I don't know if you know about. You know, Adam. There's this thing about tapes on this podcast, by the way. I've listened to enough of this podcast to know the thing about tapes, and okay. it's so right on. You you are the tape master. Not. Not only are there, I don't know if there still exist, but there definitely were tapes. We did tapes with, with um, just out in the street, just making stupid little movies, even in high school. Like, uh, like we used to do the, the jackass uh, uh, copycat stuff. That's what our... Did you make jackass stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't personally make it, but it was like my friend group and they recorded it. I did like that. I swallowed the fit, the goldfish, like from the You the, swallowed uh, a goldfish. And then I like puked it back up. It was still alive. Like that was one you of the You did tasks. that? Yeah, yeah. And we drank like, we had to like chug a butter, uh, gallon of buttermilk and like you just throw up from it. It was just like stupid stuff. Like I, somebody did, they put the, the, um, uh, bottle rockets, like they, pinch their ass cheeks together to hold the stick and then let it shoot up. I didn't do that. <laughs> I don't want to burn my ass. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was high school. Like that was like, yeah, I was like 16, 17 years old. Wow. I worked at McDonald's like 30 hours a week and then just got drunk with my friends and like did dumb shit like that. Dan, you know what me, me and Mike used to go to downtown Palm Springs and just, um, just goof, just, no internet goof 
like there was we did one thing one time where you had to walk you had to walk down the street in this like the stupidest way you can walk like just to like purposely look like a a goofball like it like embarrass yourself yeah embarrass yourself but yeah yeah but oh he totally yeah totally embarrass yourself like like whatever the stupidest way you can think to walk is then you do stupider than that and then you just walk down the street like that and people just like "Mm." like that was how we had fun hell yeah in the midwest it was more uh it's like a bunch of high school kids sitting in a hot tub and it's like (laughs) 15 degrees outside it's like (laughs) middle of winter and you just get like get the girl like every you know not strip poker you're in a hot tub but you just play like truth or dare or something like every once in a while somebody's got to like strip and like streak around the block in the middle of the night in like 15 degree weather that's what you did in the midwest yeah i think mike got invited to those parties but i didn't i was i, <laughs> I wasn't cool i wasn't cool yet at that time what, what were you like in high school me yeah yeah um all, kind of all over the place like i i was I was just, I had just started to become like, um, to where I wasn't super religious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still trying to figure that out. Like, and I've always been sort of a late bloomer anyway, with everything. I just takes a, uh, a while for things to germinate with me, I think. Yeah, I'm the same uh, way. I look like, I looked really young in high school. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still do, but like, especially like in my early 20s. So I was always like trying to uh make up for it by just like being outrageous like i I think in when i was a freshman the seniors and like upperclassmen like every time i don't know i don't remember how i got to the point where i just knew it was my cue but if they just pointed to me in the hallway i had to have to do like the yeah from like little john (laughs) and like the usher like music videos so i would just be screaming like little john in the hallway anytime like a senior just wanted to like have a fun like a stupid goof he just pointed to me and i just do it like that was my like dorky freshman uh yeah. oh my god you had a catchphrase you were like an snl character yeah dude like i didn't give a shit like i knew that it was like all a goof and i was like but like the hot girls that were like seniors they knew who i was you know they th- they, they told me i was cute you know like so some dude yeah. attention so i got their attention it's like some dude points at you and you make that noise yeah just like the yeah like like, <laughs> but like really loud like like it would be in like the school uh, like in the hallway or in uh what do you call it like the auditorium when you have like on yeah Fridays. yeah yeah just stuff like that it was <laughs> all the time do the I, like, thing, rant dude. yeah i ran for school president as a freshman like i just i didn't I, there's no chance of winning i, just, I literally hung up memes or like whatever you're, the yeah, version you're... of memes were in like 2002 <laughs> Uh, like hanging them up all over the walls your platform was what <laughs> right, okay right. yeah what were memes before uh, the internet i would just put like uh i would tape something to the water fountain it was like some comedian maybe it was jay leno or something stupid it's like free water courtesy of dan <laughs> for president <laughs> stuff like that what why did i have jay leno I don't know. It was just like somebody like saying it, like so, like who's endorsing me. I don't know why. It was. I think it's because I like stayed up all night because uh, I lived in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't hang out with my friends at night, so I would just watch like the late night 
comedians and like Howard Stern on the E channel. So like those were like the celebrities to me. Oh yeah. I remember that when Howard Stern was on the E channel. Yeah. And you'd have like the guests on. Sometimes you have like a porn star and like you could watch her like fuzzy uh censored out boobies. And it's like that's pretty fucking good. Like I'll take oh, it. Oh yeah, that's the whole reason I remember it is because it was like it was like porn adjacent. Right, exactly. I think you could get like the first five minutes of like a softcore on Cinemax at like eleven o'clock. It's like, all right, I got five minutes. I'm gonna get to you know some tits, some like lower belly. I I can I could work with this. <laughs> lower belly. Yeah, it's free. You know, they never showed everything. You know, it's like yeah, you could you know get all the way down the body and then they they cut it off and you have to pay. Yeah, man. When when I was a little, um, I lived in a small town until I was like 13 and it was like before the internet was good and also it was a small town so there was like no culture <laughs> I mean, oh, besides, besides the culture of that place you know it was right. like no in influences it was like that you know like um that's so different now though, right? Like yeah, if you grew like up in the same hometown, like you didn't have like that these now they just have TikTok or whatever. Like they know yeah. exactly what's stylish or what's cool. Mm -hmm. And back then, you know, I was just wearing like a chain wallet that was like down to my knee with some like super baggy Jinkos and like I was like a, an idiot. But like yeah, you know, cool hell in my little like block, you know. Right, but you only you didn't look like an idiot to anybody around because they all look like idiots the same way. Yeah, yeah, you all look like idiots together. Because there was only it was like this weird game of telephone where like somebody like would like somebody's older brother would like read yeah. a, a magazine, right, and then like figure out you were supposed to have a chain on your wallet, and then like the little kids would see him and then put a chain on their, you know what I mean? Like this weird like transfer. Right. But you each time like it would get MTV. less, a little bit less. Trickle, trickle down economics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, or you see what you, whatever you saw on MTV, or and then you go to the the mall. And I like, I don't think that's like for a hot topic, but like you go to Spencer Gifts and just like hang out at yeah. the mall, and you see like whatever the teenagers are wearing. Like, do you don't want? I want some of that. And yeah, there were like little regions could get weird. Like, there could be like a fashion of like, oh, that's like a that's like a West Memphis fashion or something. Yes. Like yes. But Dude, now, yeah. You in know like how mid? like in caves, like they'll, they'll like find a cave and it'll have like this pool of water. that's mm -hmm. like, hasn't been touched for like, you know, a million years. And then it's a like, micro ecosystem. Yeah. There's like a weird fish in there with like big creepy eyes and it yeah. can't see. And like, it's weird, it's like weird bugs and stuff. Like that's how little towns used to be. <laughs> You know, like they used to be like these weird little, little creepy things you would find like, whoa, what is this place? And you would walk into it. But yeah, now like it's destiny. like, yeah, like down this, like the, the mycelium of like social media and everything is like going in, like coming up through everything. So it's like now people in California look like people in Ohio. Yeah. In mid Michigan, like on the I-94 corridor. So I didn't like grow up in like Detroit, but it was like pretty just outside Ann Arbor. But like that whole rural area, when I like when I was growing up, people didn't really know. Like if you lived in California, you didn't know who the um, like the Juggalos were. But like in Mich mid Michigan, like that's where like the Juggalos came from. Like those ICP dudes with like the crazy uh, white and black face mm -hmm. paint, and they like drank Fago Pop. Like 
that's what people dress like. And they look like literal clowns, like, like, <laughs> like gothic clowns. That's how they dress. And like, if you, and they were all like, you know, it's, it's like the Midwest. So they were like, before everybody in America got overweight, the Midwest was overweight. So it was just a bunch of fat mm-hmm. clowns, like running around drinking like <laughs> yeah. orange soda and red soda and spraying it everywhere with their face paint on. And like, if you came in and saw that, that would be just as crazy as like going into like Africa or like some uncontacted <laughs> tribe totally. in Brazil and seeing their, their face paint and they're like doing, they're dancing to some weird music that makes no sense. Like that's what the juggalos were to people from, you know, Dallas just 20 years ago. Oh yeah. And did you think that California was like all surfers and like Pamela Anderson Baywatch? Yeah. 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 Like I, I thought it was like, because I didn't have any way to check. It was like the only things I'd seen in California was like the scene in the movie where they go to California (laughs) or whatever. I, I grew up maybe two hours from Chicago, but the time it took for like something fashionable or, or cool from Chicago to get where I lived. It was like, a, it was like 10 years maybe. Yeah. And now, now it's yeah. like, I'm seeing this on, on Twitter, especially and like something that Elon Musk tweeted that kind of went underreported was that they're like really making the app a lot more lightweight so that it runs faster on slower devices. And that because of that, they're seeing like growth of millions of new users every day. And it's mostly coming from like the developed world. And then I was just down in El Salvador adopting Bitcoin at that conference and there's like all these African uh Bitcoin like entrepreneur tech guys and they're just they've got like uh lightning invoices running on uh phones that don't even have internet like they're old like dumb phones with just like sim cards and they can text but anyways like all beyond Bitcoin like they're, they're all coming on to the like social media now and uh like at like a really rapidly emerging pace. And now like you could be in some small village in El Salvador or Africa. And now you are immediately plugged into what is fashionable in the West, what is fashionable in your area. And they're like absorbing the culture like super quickly. And like, we're still, and we're like the Facebook, like boomers, like we're sitting here on these other social media platforms, like posting pictures of our food (laughs) still. And they're watching TikTok, and they like know what the Kardashians are doing. They're chilling. Yeah, there's an interesting dynamic that happens, I think, when when sort of the unit, uh, the when the the organism, like when think okay, so like if you have these different pockets of population, um, geographical or economic, or whatever different um, classes, mm-hmm, and then these are starting to integrate and become more interconnected because of um, information technology. So as they do, it's like the analogy is sort of like, just like the different systems and cell types and things in our bodies used to be different um, organisms, different species that were um, gradually assimilated into a whole, uh, an organism as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like these little pockets of like Southern Illinois or like Western Ohio or like Eastern Africa or whatever, they're starting to get joined in together into this like bigger organism, right? Right, right. But then as the as these sub organisms get assimilated, they gain like the the the, re, the shared resources and the functioning of the other systems. But what they they also the trade off is that they lose autonomy. Mm-hmm. So like your mitochondria don't get to decide what to do anymore. Now they're just like 
a part of the thing. You know what I mean? It's like the Borg where the, in Star Trek, Literally, they like, take your like species the, and then they like make it as a feature of their species. Right. Like the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And what do we do? We come in, like we give them democracy and we take that power, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like, if, as things are coming together though, like um, each, each um, constituent part has less and less control over the thing as a whole. So whereas it's easy to switch, say, like the policy or the, like, or bring, to bring it back to fashion, like you could change the fashion of your small town with just like, it all it takes is like one cool person moving from Chicago right. into yeah. town and then that would have changed the fashion, right? Right. And that, so it was easy. It was, it was a, like, a, like a little dinghy ship that was easy to turn. But now as we're assimilating into this giant like Uber carrier of, with the internet and everything, it's becoming more, there's more horsepower, but like no, no, like one person has the steering wheel anymore. You have to make right. call to the thing, the systems right. and satellites. So it's becoming, it, it's becoming like, uh, less yes. under control, you know? Yeah, no, totally. So I was just talking about this. Uh, I think I was DMing Mike about it today about talking about on this episode, which is, is coincidental, but I think that what we're going to see, a lot of people think that we're kind of on this path to, uh, you know, a big depression or a financial crisis or World War III, nuclear war, whatever you want to call it. But I disagree. Now I think that what's going to happen is we're about to experience a cultural revolution, like all over the world. Like it's starting in Iran, like they're refusing to wear their uh, hijabs and they're like protesting in the streets. There was like a lot of violence and they're like still going at it. Like the Chinese are revolting and starting riots and stuff in, um, in Beijing and some of these lockdown states. And you've got like all these countries and all these places in the world that are o ruled by these old people who are just, like, they're just disproportionately old. They have all the money, all the resources, and they, uh, they just are too, completely out of touch. Like, even though we have like all this access to like what you're saying to like absorb all this new information, all these new cultures, and like, it, like it just spreads really quickly because of their, like, there's something, but there's like too much, much of a bridge to divide for them like in their class like and they don't understand technology they don't use it like that stuff's not getting to them they're and they're they're more out of touch and more obviously out of touch than ever before and that's why like twitter is such a big battleground right now because it's like all these giant mega brands and corporations and politicians and all these old these things run by old people or old institutions they're so out of touch and anything they post, they just get piled on. Like they get like clowned on and like ratioed and it's yeah. like they're, they're, pull, they're pulling their ads from the platform. They're pulling their presence from the platform because it doesn't serve them anymore. But there's all these new people coming in now from all over the world. And they're like, they're here to, uh, to, to fuck shit up and to innovate. And the, the old guard just doesn't see what's coming for them. They just can't. But everybody else is connected, so they are. So who's going to take control? Well, it's all going to coalesce under the people who are spreading the most information and all the ideas the, the, the most efficiently and the most quickly. To what extent do you think that the advent of <clears throat> constant information that's provided by the internet will mitigate the effect of the old people becoming out of touch? Um, the old people now are going to be some of the last old people that never had the internet. You and I will be the last of them. When my, my children become old people, everybody is always going to have had the internet. So 
will our ability to stay plugged in because like I you know like everybody can just keep checking whatever the current site is you know so as long as you don't get left behind on back current on Facebook. stream yeah that current stream of information <clears throat> right whatever that so, is. like in other words will old people be able to stay in the stream now now that everyone has the internet yeah I think well I think so to an extent I mean some of them already are you've got some people who are would be technically part of that old guard right like but they're pretty plugged in and pretty um they kind of know what's going on uh, ironically like a really good example of that's donald trump like he knew how to tweet in a way and like the, the kind of stuff to just say and tweet whether it was uh what you would want the president to say or not it worked it was very effective oh yeah he's it was a perfect match for twitter yeah exactly so he was speaking in tweets even before they invented twitter you know, it was just it was just perfect. Yeah, and if you like look at his his old Twitter like history before he was like running for president, he was like constantly tweeting at like the the actress from Twilight because uh, and then the actor from Twilight because he knew that they were hooking up or they were dating and he knew that she was cheating on him somehow. And he would tweet about that all the time. Like <laughs> Robert Pattinson, you have to break up with Kristen Stewart. She's cheating on you. You deserve better than this. Like he was just <laughs> plugged in. To, like he knew what the the drama between the Twilight actors, but. And it, and it got him the presidency. So, yeah, some of these old people are not, they're too out of touch, but um, the ones that will succeed will be the ones that kind of understand this revolution, I guess. Because there's, there's room for the elders still. They just have to be in touch with the, the rest of the people in their tribe or their country to know how to effectively leverage their wisdom to help them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, the out of touch aspect is what fuels a lot of the, it, there's like a misunderstanding, a generational misunderstanding, right? Between mm -hmm. younger people and older people right now. And it's manifesting in the form of anger and frustration. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's, like the words boomer and millennial don't really have any much of their original meaning. Now they're almost, right. they're almost the like symbols. A, a symbols or it's like a proxy for effigy is per perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So it's like, when I say boomer, I just, what I, what somebody means when they say, okay, boomer is mm -hmm. not that necessarily even that you were born in the baby boom, but that you have, they're accusing you of sort of having being out of out of touch, but in sort of a almost in a hostile an way, an old way of thinking. Like you're yeah, but almost the... almost like defiantly out of touch. Sure. Like I'm out of touch, and fuck you for trying to make me be in touch. Like right. that's that's the and then the the boomers they'll say millennial or something like that, even though the millennials are forty now. Yeah. That what they mean is. They're these whipper, to, they're, whippersnappers, yeah. right? Yeah, they're patronizing yeah. us, like you're. Yeah, you're young, yeah, 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 yeah. idiots. Entitled. Right. So, so I wonder if, if if old people stop falling out of touch. No, that's. I I think that's like a a, a, a always going to be an issue. I think that's like just the way. Yeah, I mean, you just because we have the internet, we'll have the internet still, like there's a lot of stuff on the internet that I don't use that like young people <laughs> use, right? Like TikTok. I don't really use, t I don't look at TikTok, but young kids do. And the way that they talk and the way that they 
communicate by like dancing in front of a screen and like putting memes up, like whatever, like their lingo, it, even the stuff that they're saying, uh, pretty like it seems like they're saying like something clearly. It's like ironic. It, it, it doesn't really mean what they're saying there that they, uh, what they're the words that they're saying, right? So there'll always be that out of touchness, but the the people who are successful will just have more of that kind of like in high school, like you can hang out with the jocks, you can hang out with the art, the band kids or whatever. If you're one of those people, that's kind of like one of those skills that you probably need later in life. If you're trying to run shit. Mike, did you ever remember what you were going to say? <laughs> I'm going I'm to get my McDonald's out. out of believe me, right believe me. I thought about it quite a bit. <laughs> it was really connected to, it was really connected to you guys being from the same place and of the same time and how that may, may have related to sort of the the mess the speed of the message that you get and sort of like if you if you're from a smaller town do you get the message much slower about fashion for instance than the rest of the world. I think, I think that's sort of where I was to, thinking yeah. about it. You used to, but now everybody gets just gets beamed into your hand. Right. So does everyone start to look the same? That's what that's where I wanted to go. Does everyone like in the in their differences of everyone and how nuanced every single person is? Is doesn't that sort of assimilate into one sort of mass of no identities? Right, because yeah, everyone's of individual identity. Well, I think that back in the '90s, '80s, whatever in the <laughs> in the past, that it was it was more about what you looked like, what you wore, like the music you listened to, like you could somehow physically express that. But now it's like your your values or like whatever you're putting out on the internet, like whatever your um, internet identity is like that's the fashion or whatever that's the ideas that you're getting it's not necessarily what you wear people don't their fashion is all kind of becoming you know like yeah universal but they're where they d display their uniqueness is through their per or their digital identity everybody's where got the same fashion now everybody's got the same haircut the same look it's like basically if you have if you're a white dude like pretty much every white dude in the world, depending on what country you're on, has the similar type of haircut, depending on what your head looks like, you know, and similar type <laughs> fashion. And like, maybe some people have a little bit of uniqueness there, but the vast majority of people, they all look, you know, pretty much the same in the way that they present themselves physically. It's their digital identity that they use to express whatever they're trying to express. Adam, you got anything on that? Yeah, I was wondering um, why it is that people want to be different from one another. So, like, you can imagine... Well, we do have physical differences. That's already one... Right, but I mean, we... A factor, I think. We play them up. Like, we... You know, I like to an extent. 
if everybody if everybody wear like wears the same shirt to school it's like oh this is oh man it, it's weird like, you, you, you <laughs> yeah know but you, it's it's like oh we, we all wanted to look different from one another not mm. the same you know so and, and so I, I just wonder what it is what it is that makes people want to differentiate from other other members of the group because there there are some species that try to try to minimize di that differentiation they tr all try to look this exact same right i think people try to be unique in their like fashion to an extent like it, there's only a certain range right like if you yes. i mean for example like the whole non-binary trans whatever people that are just like having these androgynous looks or these guys wearing dresses like that's controversial that's you go too far and people don't trust you anymore or if you go you know because there's there's safety in the group and if you're within the appropriate bounds of that group you can like you can be different but kind of have to uh when it all comes down to it you have to like whatever your shared values are is that's expressed in your fashion and stuff and culture so if you get too far out, you get kicked out of the group and that's isolation is death. But uh, I think that, that I see a connection between, um, oh God, uh, religion and identity in this way. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's, uh, sorry, I'm eating my McDonald's. Uh, oh, that's okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, Corey on a podcast today said to Preston, Pish, she said that uh, something about the, the value in hiring Bitcoiners, if you work for a Bitcoiner company, is that there's so much that's already said without saying a word when you meet another Bitcoiner. Well, it's the same as if you meet another Christian or you meet another Jewish person, you meet another Muslim. You immediately know the entire framework that their life was um, built upon, like what they you know, believed when they were kids. They probably went to church like you, or at least very similarly, like, you know, endless things about their personality, how they make decisions most likely. I mean, you can't know that for sure, but you have a pretty good idea. It's more predictable. So you have these tribes, these religions, these, whatever groups you want to put yourself into. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a powerful way for people to self-organize. So you can like fall in, that's what I sort of think about. You can fall in, when you fall into an identity of something else that's bigger than you, do you, um, can, can that, is that akin to um, this, this sort of LGBTQ or um, uh, the, the sort of trans movement or the, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Like they're, it's a group of people who felt like outcasts for whatever reason, their family didn't accept them society or, you know, they just were different. And that was a kind of a rare thing. You didn't know that many other people when you're growing up, they were like you. So you felt like you were alone. So now they've found each other and they, you know, they create groups. It's like a, it's a support group. It's, it's interesting it's your, to it's think like you're like subscribing to the way of thinking, right? So the content that you digest is going to feed that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, it's like it's like going to church every Sunday. You're saying you're all saying 
the verses out of the same book, talking about what it means to you. And you do it every Sunday or when Wednesday too. And you do it constantly. It just constantly reinforces those specific values uh, into your life. And then the, with the people that you share it with. And, and so do so you think lots of di- like, you know, jujitsu people that do that every day, right? People that go to, you know, the skate park together every day. It's all, um, it's all these little, yeah, it's all these little groups. When you get to like the, the size of religion, right? Like that's a different status. Like that's a all encompassing, like things. It's like the granddaddy group. Uh, uh, okay. And then everything else is just like, it breaks down from there. So it's Smaller like scale stars. of, of ideas. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Shared basic mm-hmm. ideas about the world and how you should live it, your life. It's funny how these ideas compete with each other in physical space. You know, right? That's interesting mm-hmm. to think about. If your uh, if your group looks weird, it's not hot. It's, it's gonna have a tough time. But if it's, you know you got all the square jaws and all the hot chicks and the cool cars, whatever your little group is, that's gonna win. People want to be like that. Basically, if your image people. looks if your image looks stronger, then you're you're more powerful, I suppose. Right. In, interesting though. Like think about that. If your image, the image of you, if it appears to be of of more weight, of more value, I guess, of more strength in all aspects, you know. And a lot of the day today is all have to do with wealth. Because wealth is power in, in, in many ways, of course. So the image of that, if you project that, the more powerful you are to the people around you. Yeah, it's, called, it's a brand. You have a strong brand. So the, the identity, the identity becomes logo, the brand. Your flags, people see your whatever, and they, they they feel like, oh, that's like Apple, like that's respected brand. Like they're they're always going to make money. They've they've always got innovation. They've always got good ideas. Or the the American flag. It's the strongest, you know, country. Oh, I, I was thinking of it more on the on the sort of personal route like the peterson route or yeah, you know the... all, well that goes all the way down to the individual level joe rogan right like he's an individual person and what's he he is commonly you know he's love him or hate him people kind of understand when you can't cancel joe rogan anymore he's too strong you know right he's, he's a but it, what i'm what i think i'm trying to hook onto is like the attachment of how we've been sort of pushed as a society to to adopt the identity as the brand. So your identity is like co-opted into having to play in this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh... your on your virtual identity. I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, and your real life identity, but yeah, they're very real. Yeah, it's it's that's that's like social dynamics. Like, like how you far know. you can, you can project your message into internet space? How how far is your cast? How big is your net? You right, can, your reach. Because followers are fish. That's what followers are. They they are food. 
that's and, not how I think of my followers. I think all of them are <laughs> handsome, smart, hilarious. I think of it. I think of economics. I think of it in, 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 in economic terms. I'm just referring to it right there. Like followers being the the thing that sort of like feeds you, feeds and then and the one that you're following is sort of your, um, maybe more of your tools. I would say, I don't, or maybe more of your resources. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know. It's feedback. It's with feedback. That. It's feedback that you're whatever you're doing, whatever you're putting it, out there. It's like is, supply and demand. That's all I'm trying to say. Is, I guess. Yeah, it's feedback to know that you're what you're doing is popular. People like it. If everybody ignores you or everybody says "fuck you," your ideas are stupid. Uh, that's that's just feedback that like, hey, I'm whatever I'm doing is not uh, being received well by other people. Have to. That's true. Mind. That's for, totally true. Hundred percent true. That that is a nice sort of feedback. Um, it's better than getting like a wedgie and then getting your head dunked in the water. Right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, they flush the toilet, right? Like, just somebody that who wants to, to basically off. who wants to stay and listen to your message and who doesn't, and how many of those people right. are real? Right. You know how many? It's a, it's a it's a. Well, it depends. I mean, some people can say that it's like a it's proof that you've done something, like that you're not just a, uh, you know, just a scammer. It's like you can like build a reputation of respect and like you've done all, you've done a lot of good things for your group. Dan, you may be able to speak to this question. Why why has there become such an influx of scammers on something like Twitter and bots? Is it because there's the coders are better and they know what they're doing more, or what's the? No, it's I mean. It's just an opportunity. It's a cheap opportunity to make money. Uh, you can get mm -hmm. make new followers. You can make somebody's following look really big. You can get people to click your links and get affiliate marketing revenues. You can trick people into sending you crypto. Mm -hmm. You can, tr you know, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's just, like a so it's like that is total total. Uh, inf it's like a weapon for sure. Sure. Yeah. That just makes me think how much of information is like a weapon. Oh yeah, like I like I think uh, Michael Saylor talks about the you know being at a party online and you have no idea if any of these people are real. It's like they're all ghosts or whatever. They're all the people in the Matrix, right? Like they walk past you every day, but mm -hmm. they're just programmed to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily real. They're not necessarily authentic. Mm -hmm. It's it's harder to tell online. Because it's easy to just mimic. Sometimes the, the anonymity makes me feel like kind of desolate, kind of. Makes like, you feel like alone. Yeah, like um, in in some ways that's comforting because it's the aloneness of privacy when you're anonymous, but um, also when everyone's anonymous and then even the most heartfelt interactions have sort of a lacking hollowness to them because there isn't, it's, it's like, you're just talking to the outline of the person. Right. Like if, even though you're both purposely staying anonymous, the act that you're both doing that is it, it means you don't trust each other. It means you don't, uh, we'll just trust the world enough to, to take a chance on. Right. Right. Whatever it is, it's not worth it to, make a slight sacrifice of security for that other person right and i think that, that yeah 
I think that kind of puts a ceiling on, almost always puts a ceiling on the, uh, like the intimacy that, that those kind of interactions can have. 100%, yeah. So I, because there's always just sort of just reading something, you know, it's, it's, you're not really ever talking to a person because you don't know who it is, you know? <clears throat> right. Yeah, it's like Manti Teo, the football player's, you know, catfish girlfriend. Right. There's always that, there's, and there's always the, there's always that doubt. It's like, is this person cast fishing me or like, or, yeah, it's like we have a gene to, for like, to, to run the Turing test. Like, we just want to know kind of deep down that like, it's a real per person. Like, I think, you know, it's, it comes back to like something physical. We want, I, we want to look at them or touch them or something like that. Right. Like see their, how their face moves and things like that. Right. That's how you, yeah. That's like how we're evolutionarily programmed to yeah. find comfort or connection with other people is like little mannerisms and ways that they, they look the way that their body language, that kind of stuff. So you don't get that online. Right. And that comes back to the group, the group identities that you were talking about where you, it's like you, uh, it's sort of counterintuitive, you know, be, like we're, we're using the internet to make all these groups, but yet the medium of internet communication by its nature sort of attenuates the connections that people are making and so that they're become thinner and less substantial. So while there are more strands in the webs, each strand is much more breakable. You know, you can lose internet relationships if you're, you know, you're, you just, your account gets blocked on something, you know, right. they can, they come and go, but there, there, there's so many of them, you know? Right. And that, that's, that's fine. Like the, I don't, the internet sh won't replace those uh, fundamental core connections with other people that you should have or that is best to have like in your life like direct life like your friend your family whatever but there is still value to those um to those connections because you can share valuable information you can share critical information like stuff that could save people's lives stuff that could help them um you know just ways to transact right. and make money. But isn't it just the information that's valuable then? Is there really a connection? Sure. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, that connection is really just sharing information. Right. But I mean, like, I feel like when I meet, when, like, when, if Mike comes over to my house and we share a meal and we hang out, you know, and he body slams my kid or something, like, I feel like we've, our interaction has, consisted of more than just an exchange of information. Some, it feels like something else happened. Whereas when it's an online interaction, it feels like just exchanging information from a node to a node. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, it's- What do you think is lost then? I mean, is it just pheromones or something? Like something done like that? Or, you know what I mean? Like what, what are we missing when- Well, I think I've, it might just be, it might still just be information. I mean, th that we talked about the, when you're in person, right? Like those mannerisms that all those little quirks, like that's still just information. It's not digital information, but it's information. So you're getting some sort of positive feedback from exchanging 
a different type of information with another person. Right. It's just a richer spectrum of information. Right. Much richer because it hits all of our senses. You know what I mean? Yes. And it interacts with the the millions of years old, the hardwiring that we have for communicating with people, you know, like we see all these little micro expressions and, and, you know, like, you're at this, yeah, you're in like the same, you're spending the same time together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. interesting. Oh yeah. It's, it, it makes you think like how valuable it is to have moments where you can sort of talk with each other. You know what I mean? In real space. Yeah. And like, like you, you smell the same cookies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. While you're talking. So you, you sort of seek out these moments and then you think that the, there is this like what we're having right here is sort of, sort of an abstraction of that kind of data right it's a right. lesser degree it's it's right. like clean one worst, it's one of the worst things you can do to somebody is uh put them in solitary confinement where they have no interaction with other people mm-hmm. but i don't know and this is not like an ethical thing to study so it'll never probably be done but if you put a laptop in like 100 people with their solitary confinement gave them access to Twitter, the internet versus people who still had nothing. I, I would be willing to bet that people that have that outside connection that can just be online all day and talking to people, they would have much better mental health. So there's still some value in these communication in this, you know, experience we're having together. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. Uh, right. It's fidelity. like, it, it's just one, it's just one bandwidth of it, of the, of the information it's like it's if you only ate carbs that you know what i mean that's like what it would be like if you were only on the internet like, right, or the, like a long distance relationship where like it's not a full meal yeah, yeah. right it's you want to get the vitamins sex, but right still talk to each other every night but it's most of those long distance relationships right it's not the same it's not the well, same. On, yeah on that note we recently had this like physical conversation which is a very you know rare thing that cannot happen with you know people that we were trying to get on the show for a period of time and it it just happened you know it just happened so we're probably going to release that episode at some point soon but it, it was so important so it's sort of the value of that kind of connection uh was so important so I, we had to record it we had to do do it all sort of basically you spend a lot more energy trying to capture that that's what i'm trying to say you know what I mean? Like a physical conversation. Yes. And I think there's a little bit of an observer phenomenon too, or observer effect, where when you when you know that when you you get in the stance of we're gonna record it or like we're doing the thing, okay, the conversation is starting now. You yeah. know, that like that I think that there is a that makes you talk in a, a different way. Right. It's like a quantum theory. It's like uh a- things objects behave differently when yeah that's what i was trying to think of that thing right Right, well that reflects in our lives too or yeah mike's always talking about like as soon as the camera comes on because he gets he forgets what he was going to ask or whatever it's true yeah it's it it becomes a show you know right yeah well because it's not that's the whole thing is it's not a show until it's recorded right right so and the when show the is deliberate. Is we're doing something deliberate. Like we're trying to make something. We have a conversation. Some like hour of somebody's lives. We're trying to create a, a a product. We're creating a product. 
Mm -hmm. Correct. And if you know you're being recorded, and does this does this compute? If you know you're is, being yeah. recorded in any situation, your behavior will change. Well, duh. Yeah. I mean, no matter what. Door. That's why in that's any why in, dirty deals are done behind closed uh, doors. Behind closed doors. You're right. Yeah. Right. Like they don't I think a, eventually you would get so numb to it. That, uh, like, yeah, for sure. If you were just constantly nano recorded by the air at all times. Right. And like yeah. some people, some people just, <laughs> That's they, they just behave instinctually or like uh, subconsciously because they know they're being recorded and they want to make it entertaining. Like, like the Will Smith slap. I don't think that he was really that mad. I don't, I think it was just something in his brain that he didn't even think about consciously was I, the world is watching me. He just basically called me a cuck uh in front of my wife on national tv i, I got i'm gonna go slap this dude like I yeah. think that's what it was right or like in prison like you know everybody's watching you so if somebody like comes and takes your cookie at lunch and like eats <laughs> it and walks off with it everybody's gonna think you're a bitch so like you have to perform differently because everybody's watching you it's not the camera right but it's like all eyes are on you they're seeing how you react to something so you gotta like do the right thing so people don't fuck with you and also your behavior changes when you're alone as well. That, that this, is why, for sure. this is why we have Santa Claus because he sees you when you're sleeping, right. knows when you're awake and you, you're, this is what we did before surveillance cameras. We're just like, just trust <laughs> me, you little fuckers. He can see you. You know what I mean? Like, stop doing that. It's like, well, even when I don't catch you, you're gonna you you just have to feel watched. That's yeah, like, like and like that's what that's what all kinds of celestial judgment is. Is that like even when no one's watching, someone's watching. Right. It's like to give you this, and so you internalize that surveillance state. Yeah, and then you where end you're up just being, surveilling yourself yeah. at all times. They don't even have to monitor you anymore. And then you end up as like a a miserable adult with Catholic guilt, you know. Yeah, or a character in 1984. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that's that's what it is, right? It's when you, when you, that's the ultimate victory of this of the surve surveiller, is when they don't have to check the monitors anymore. Right, like they're you parents, Santa Claus, churches, the government, whatever. Like they're all training you to police yourself because um, you know it's like. At first, you need like that celestial judgment. Yeah, but, but it well, really is—it's it's training you to do that to your. You're you're training you to police your thoughts, police your behavior yourself. And some people right, and because the elephant in the room is that they have to train you to police yourself is because they can't fucking do it. There's not enough. Exactly. There's not enough police, my man. There ain't enough police. There's more of us than them. There's like there's not enough. There's not enough mommies and daddies to to keep all the kids doing what they're supposed to do. And how's right? that real? Like, they there has to be and the, the 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 prisoners have to imprison themselves right um, like the kids in germany man like they're gonna be stoked if they get coal in their stocking this winter they'll be able to heat their homes <laughs> you can't threaten them with nothing now <laughs> you know i i don't know that i don't know much about like Well, sort of like the, the, the 
the mean daddy religions, that seems to be sort of a, a feature of the Western monotheisms more so than the Eastern religions. Like the more I learn about Hinduism and Buddhism and those kind of things, they're like, they're less, like there still are like orthodox people about that, but, but the, like the driving ethos of them is less didactic and prescriptive. And it's more like, whereas the, whereas the Western religions seem additive. Like a, like a self-realization rather than a uh, adherence to uh, an orthodoxy. Yes, and they're like, and they're interested in changing your state of consciousness and your experience of the, the world. Yeah. More so than they are in making you adhere to one already. My, yeah, my hot take on that is that uh, both of them are just teaching you uh, in their own ways to be okay with suffering. Like it's, life's <laughs> going to be suffering and it's going to be more suffering if you don't do it to yourself a little bit to keep yourself from like getting into more suffering that you can't control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it like in, in monotheism, it's like I police myself because like I'll give away some of my desires uh, because I feel like it's um, I'm being watched or like I, I should feel bad if I partake in the hedonistic lifestyle. Whereas Buddhist is more of like you can do whatever you want, but if you want to be happy like us and you're like you want to be in, uh, you know, like like the Buddha, be chill and like be OK with everything and to get through life well come do some shit where you're gonna suffer but you're gonna do it because you know this is good for you and you're like all right so you like abstain from the world so to speak and you put yourself through situations that teach you to be patient and to slow down your uh decision making things like that it's just suffering in a different way so that you can uh see, when you see a situation you can stop and think like is this an impulsive decision going to cause me more suffering than if I just take a little less, a little uh, pain right now, not to have more later? That's how I look at it, I guess. More of a long-term sort of investment, maybe. And, either, and both of them are fine if you embrace it, like <clears throat> what it is. Like as long as you're not, if you want Basically, to Basically, well, both of them have a plan for long-term. It's just totally different aspects, right? Yeah, it's just ways of getting your brain to work. Right. Yeah, I think that. I think that's true that they both that are sort of machines for suffering avoidance. Mm -hmm. But I think that there, there still seems to be an important distinction in that, like the Western religions seem to be they're like. They're like additive. They're like con they're constructs on top of what your reality is. It's like so. It's like yeah. There's your re reality is like this, but like real reality is it's like mega that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. It's like a more powerful person that's God, and that you know you're a person, but there's a more powerful person, and you live in a place, but there's a nicer place called heaven, and it's sort of like um, and you're. Most of it has you sort of somehow like preserving your individual self throughout the whole. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's Whereas the goal. The Eastern, That's uh, the goal, yeah. The Eastern ways 
the self and the whole the person place and thing all that is an illusion and it's it acts on the suffering by sort of etch-a-sketching all that stuff out like in in other words like in, instead of perfecting the self like the monotheisms call us to do it it's almost it, it seeks to eliminate the self mm -hmm. um so in yes other, so it's the, it's the opposite of having a perfect house and burning your house down. One is trying to steal man and ego and one is trying to dissolve an ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that like this kind of sort of gets back to what you guys were talking about with um, like with groups and identities and stuff. Like, you, you know, we were saying that now our uh, I think, Dan, you were saying that now people try to differentiate themselves by their virtual identities now when they're online presence. And I think that like the, the Eastern thinkers would argue that like that what we've been doing the whole time is, is having a virtual identity and, sure. and, and a, a virtual um, presence. That's what our ego is. So in, in other words, we've just been memeing the whole time you know, ever since prehistory, you know, like ever since we we woke up, so to speak, you know, it partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so like um, the trick, I think for for the Eastern ones is to like get off, you like go get offline, you know? And then the Western ones, they won't like build the perfect website <laughs> almost. Right, it's a, uh, and it's always, it's common for, you know, there's always that person from your school who didn't fit in. And then you find out years afterwards that like, they really got into like Eastern religions, and <laughs> Buddhism, right? Like, cause they're drawn to that, like whatever it is, they didn't fit in, in this system. So they were, they're going to go try the other one. And then you got people over there, like they, that grew up in those cultures who come here and they put on a suit and they become businessmen and they get a job at Goldman Sachs. And they're like, yeah, fuck, yeah. That. fuck this, like no identity shit. Like I'm, That's true. Yeah, I'm Bob yeah. and I'm the vice president of derivatives liquidity <laughs> at uh, Goldman uh -huh. Sachs. Man, this makes We're me think fucking like, name tag. I just wrote this down. It's like memes are like uh, information droppings. I guess if you think about, <laughs> you know, humans as this culture of, uh, you know, animals that can exchange information with each other. In, in an incredible rate and record it it's like, like memes are... each other's asses you know just yeah exactly <laughs> memes are like these like either droppings or like uh it's funny to call it like a, when you drop a meme right yeah you can compare oh. it to <laughs> sort of this like wasteland of and you can find out a lot about shit, right? a person by how they react to your meme so like you got like a based on somebody's reaction like oh i triggered the libtards or you know i fucking <laughs> I riled up Bitcoin Twitter, you know, or I pissed off the, the fiat bros or whatever it is. Like if you want to find out what somebody, what, what somebody's like, you just see how they react to your meme. They, they, they laugh. You're like, all right, he gets me. Otherwise you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know how to talk to this person. Mm. We're on the same wavelength. The laughter test is a good one too. They, um, mm -hmm. they, People actually, I was learning about this, like people don't, most times people laugh isn't because something's funny. Like if you go back and if, if you like record every time somebody chuckles or laughs, 
and then you go back like most of them weren't jokes people will laugh after they after they say like hey how you doing like it's a, like what a beautiful day and like i know <laughs> that's great yeah. like like they'll just do that little laugh you know or if their boss is like a guy's had a long weekend you know and you're like oh, <laughs> ha, ha, he must have drank know, some yeah. wine right so <laughs> those so the um which it raises the question they're like what are those for if they're not for funny so um, it's that i don't know i think a laugh hmm. is like a it's like a disarming thing where yeah, yeah well, a, I, that's perfect. I, i'm glad I, that you said that because what i was going to say is that the theory that this person put forward is that it's like a safety signal so yeah yeah yeah. It, it just means like, hey, I, everything's cool. Right. And like the other one of the things that uh, used to irk me a little bit, it was and not that I think that some of the terrible things that people do when they haze other people is OK, <clears throat> because sometimes people take it too far, especially, obviously, if somebody dies. But to, there was a little bit of military hazing that I went through. I put some people through. We do it like in the jujitsu gym a little bit. I don't do that as much anymore. And it happens online a lot as well, where uh, you like really rib on and you fuck with another dude because you want to know, even though that's not going to happen in this like world that we live in today, most likely, but you want to know when the Visigoths come over that hill to come and sack your village and like mm -hmm. rape your your women and like take your, your money and your family away. Like you want to know the dudes next to you are mentally tough and can deal with that and so like guys are constantly ribbing each other and fucking with each other and people yeah. on the outside they don't get it but it's like i want to know when something when the shit hits the fan that this dude is not yeah. gonna like turn into a pussy and run off like the stress got test. somebody to, yeah you know what i mean yeah it's a stress test right i i totally i totally know what you mean i totally know what you mean i don't and then bull i'm not saying bull, like bullying goes too far but there's a certain amount of that that is uh valuable Right. Well, I think the, the main difference is the intent. Right. One, one is, hey, here is you put sort of a portal or a gate. It's like, hey, can you get through this gauntlet yeah. of bullshit? And then you're in and then we're cool. Right. Like the, the, the goal there is to test you in, for a potential promotion, whereas right. the goal in bullying is to crush you down. Right. It never. It was never to let you in, but only to just make yeah. you worse and worse. Yeah. yeah, where the the line is drawn, where like if you are putting somebody through some bullshit and they can't handle it, once you know that, then you leave them alone. But if you keep going at them and like trying to maliciously bully them, after you know they can't handle it, that's where you cross the line. That's where you have to stop. Right. Well, I think that as far as the hazing stuff goes, I think that there's a there's like a wholesome what place that that proper hazing comes from sure which is that a recognition that um all growth involves pain and so like when um i don't know why that's true but it just seems to be true that right. when things that growing has pain with it it cor it's correlated like and it's but it's correlated so strongly that it's like when there's a big growth or big change, we almost think that there ought to be some pain. And if there isn't any, then we'll produce some. Yeah. Like, you see it in these rites, rite of passage rituals that they still have in some tribal cultures where they'll put like biting ants on the dude or like make them like hit him with sticks in the mud for two days or like something. It's like, they don't have to do that to survive, but it's like, there should be something, it should hurt 
right because of how big this change is how much you're growing it ought to hurt so yeah. like it's, it's weird that but i think that, that that's sort of like so you'll appreciate it more yeah so stop, like, you'll stop to remember like this wasn't free right right and do they do, they do that thing in your jiu-jitsu gym where they beat, oh yeah they, where they well, beat them with belts when they when they get a promotion so two things like two different scenarios that i've like when i was in the air force when we got uh through our flight school uh i wasn't a pilot but i flew on a plane i had a spot on the plane and when you passed you got uh the wings the metal wings that you would wear in your uniform and those are pinned on so you had to take the, the metal wings and you had to put them in your uniform without putting the little backs on the the uh, pins and the every instructor would come by and they would punch you right into the um right into the wings and it'd punch it right into your skin like it, right. you're bleeding right it was like punctured you and everybody would come by and hit that and it was like they're like celebratory like pound on your uh chest like you yeah you this and like it, uh -huh. and you had to go and pull the pins out and you're bleeding down your shirt but it was like is the military is a little bit more aggressive but yeah but in jujitsu yeah they did the slap belt but what the the thing that i think about most is when you graduate to blue belt so when they decide like the the path from blue white belt to black belt in jujitsu is like for most people at least a decade some people twice that some people do it faster like that are prodigies but it's not it's like one of the hardest sports to earn your rankings and there's only like a few belts so from white belt the first belt to blue belt is like the biggest jump uh for most people and usually takes them a year or two years and by the time they decide to give you that blue belt you've already earned it but you don't get to wear it until there's just like a day where everybody shows up who's passing on to the blue belt stage and then everybody who's blue belt and above in the gym and then for an hour they get you like they you do calisthenics like bear crawls all kinds of different uh workouts so you're just exhausted as possible and then for the next hour everybody takes turns in the gym rolling with you for three minutes and you just have to lay and they're just like they're trying to choke you out make you submit you're already exhausted and then they go after their turn with you and they get like a rest and they're done. And then a new fresh person comes in and they just dominate you. And they do that for another hour. And by the time it's over, you can barely get up off the mat. And it's like, most people can't even drive home. They have to have like their girlfriend or somebody pick them up and take them home because they're so mentally sore and exhausted. But then they give you your blue belt and they're like, all right, congratulations. You get to do this next time to the noobs. So it's like, it's like your rite of passage. So you earned it through the work. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a, uh, it's like this, this, this act of, uh, the puncture that you're describing. You know, I remember receiving my stupid little patches on my, on my uniform. Yeah. And right. You, get, you, you know, you get the polite you get a, punch, you get a punch from the a sergeant when you, when you get a new stripe. Right. But the, um, the idea of getting this sort of, these sort of puncture wounds into you to signify a, an honor or a, of a completion of, of work that you did. It's a, an interesting thought. Like that's the thing I get. Yeah. And like street gangs will jump, jump in their members. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's why, you know, Alex Jones is crazy or whatever, but he has like <laughs> caught a few things that are kind of interesting and he's always caught these. So it's interesting to me that the, the really powerful people of the world, right? Like what are they, what incentive do they have not to undercut each other and to throw each under the bus and uh, just leverage information that they have to ruin a, a potential uh, 
rivals lives or careers right and so they have like all these secret society things that all these senators and billionaires and ceos and bureaucrats go to and like alex jones caught a bunch of them not he didn't see a whole lot but he like saw him in like the bohemian grove which is like a famous one uh, and there's other like secret society things like that where these rich powerful people go and they all just hang out on a weekend and they get fucked up on drugs and then they you know the conspiracy is that you know with the epstein and all that stuff that there's uh young people involved and i you know i always thought like oh man like the the rich people are all just these crazy pedophiles and, and that's probably partly true but there's like i think they do some of these crazy things together it's like an initiation where it's like all right if you if you screw me over on this climate change international deal we're trying to do I'm going to tell everybody that you fucked a pig or like that you got a blowjob from a tranny on a, you know, at this like retreat. So it's like a way to. Right. But that's like a mutual blackmail society. That's different from the it, hazing. No, to like to have that much power, you have to go through. It's kind of like a hazing for power. I well, it's certainly a different not. magnitude. It's, but it, it's, but like it's a, the, the, the pain the, is distributed the in a different way. Out of you for, to get your blue belt, like that's not something they can use against you later. That's something that makes you more powerful, not less powerful. That's a good point. I think that, well, I, I'm just saying, I think you're giving me this, them too much credit. That mm. there's not, that it's not a wholesome. No, no, it's not, it's a, wholesome. not a wholesome gathering. It's uh, when, when these, when you're talking about like ultra elite people keeping themselves in line, it's, I, it's just that they're all balancing on the tippy, tippy top of this. And nobody wants to make too many sudden moves or lest they fall down to where as the workers that live. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's just like when you get to that power level, there's not much that can keep you in check except for sub, uh, submitting yourself to these weird rituals that uh, force you to temper your desires or temper your impulses. Because like I think about the United States and we talk about in the media all the time and they're always saying that putin um is you know who's gonna protect the world from evil we have to protect the world from evil like putin and they only like the the world like the united states is the only country powerful enough to protect the rest of the world from ourselves it's so, like we have to do it to ourselves we have to find ways to uh limit our impulsive behavior and i think i'm not saying that what they do is is healthy but it's just like this weird ritual to put checks and limits on yourself yeah and others there's sort of a weird like trolley problem uh with being the most powerful country um yeah yeah where it's like you there's a bunch of stuff that we have that as we have the most powerful military ever in history. So we have the power to stop a lot of, like kill a lot of bad people if we want it, you know? So like right now there's like, we know I'm sure there's somebody that works at the NSA or whatever that knows about an African warlord who's has some slaves right now. Right, like there, I'm just making up a person. Right, so, right. But like we, like theoretically, we could just predator drone that dude. You know what I mean? And the world would be a slightly better place. But we have to, like, like you said, we have to. We're we're self-regulating. Right, and it's not that honestly. Like the example you gave, 
it's probably fine that if they predator droned him, but it's to the point where once you have the power to predator drone anybody you want, are you, you have to make sure that that power you're using is you're using it in a just way. Like you could, anybody who pisses you off, you could just power or predator. Right. Doesn't I mean, mean they're but, bad people. But that's the, that's the trouble. That's why I say it's like, a, you know, it's like the trolley problem where it's right. like, if you don't pull the, like, in other words, if you don't pull the lever and the guy gets, gets run over, we still want to blame you. So it, if right. like, if you could have easily, so like, say, say I'm in, say I'm in, you know, like, uh, the, one of the slaves of this guy, right? From my perspective, it's like, well, you could just push a red button and I'm, I, this guy dies and we're all free. It's like, what, you're a monster for not doing it. This is, how, this is, the, tr this is the trouble with Superman. So like Superman is the, the most powerful being. He's so, he's so powerful that it's like, the comics like aren't, are barely interesting because nothing can hurt him. He's faster than anything. He's stronger than everything, right? But somehow this guy justifies spending eight hours a day pretending to be a normie and like dating some chick He's an he's a fucking alien. He's just he, but he's like puts on glasses. He's like I'm a regular person, <laughs> like and he just like walks around and like interesting, like writes little notes. It's like you're a you're a god. Like what are you doing? This is an insult to your nature, and worse, it's morally reprehensible. Every every minute that that dude is at the deal, he can hear across the whole world. He can hear people Superman, Superman. <laughs> And he's just like, he just tunes it out. He's like, how was your day, Lois? What a fucking monster. It costs him nothing. He doesn't have to eat. He doesn't have to sleep. He gets his energy from the sun. He could fly around 24 seven and just save people. He could solve everything, but he just plays pretend. He just plays house like half the day. Does he, like go, to, it. Does he go to, does he sleep? How does he justify sleeping? And so, like, and in this way, like, when, with, when you have so much power, like, you're, when you're America, how do you, like, how do you not be like, well, I can make a list of a thousand people that are definitely evil, and I can just go take them out. Yeah, it's a slippery slope, sure, but not for the first thousand. Well, the, in the movies like X-Men and Superman, right, like, the bad guys are, you know, other than, like, the actual villains, the bad guys are like the people in society who are like, we have to stop Superman or we can't, we have to like keep these X-Men in check. It's like, no, those are the people who the only sane people in the whole movie is the people who are like, these people have too much power and they can use it <laughs> however they want. We cannot like just let them have it. Yeah, su Superman is terrifying. Right. Totally terrifying. He can just pick up earth and throw it into the sun. He can do whatever. He can do whatever. He's, he's, he's totally weird that what he chooses to do but he could do whatever. Right. But like, in, so in other words, does he have, let me ask you this, Dan and Mike, does Superman have a moral responsibility to save people all the time? That's, that's a tough question. Like, can he, he just, can he justify all that time off? No, right? Like he shouldn't get any PTO. He should be he like, a, a, he's an essential employee. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you, were, if you have like a consequentialist view of morality, where, whereas like things are right and wrong based on their effects, you know, if you're a utilitarian of some sort, then like, well, by, then it follows that Superman should never stop working. My, well, my, so much more good. It doesn't matter how much he suffers. 
Like who cares? You could just, you should, he should just be a perpetual motion machine and solve the energy crisis. Right. Who cares if he suffers? This is one suffering being. Well, I personally, outside like a serious answer, I don't think anybody really has a moral obligation unless they were like, you know, they got elected to it. Like they ran for president. So they, they have a duty, but like, if you don't do that, if you didn't volunteer or sign up for something, I don't think you have a moral obligation, but you're, you know, the, whether you're good or bad. Come now, Dan, is Come only, now, Dan. Is only, Wait, you're saying, is only determined you're saying, by if your, you're there. If you're there, you have a lever, right? Here comes, there's a, there's a lever you can, there's a, here comes the trolley and it's going to run over somebody. It's going to run over a little baby and you have a lever and all you have to do is pull the lever and it'll save the baby. You're going to be like, and you don't do it. That makes you a bad person because you know, I wouldn't, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying yeah, that I, know, I can't, I, I can't say other people. You can't say that there's a moral responsibility. It's obviously a moral I, responsibility. But who's, but who's going to enforce that then? If they don't want to do it. Jesus. They, they, no, if, super, Jesus. If, if we say to Superman, you have a moral obligation to do this. He's like, no. All right. What are you going to do about it? Right. But that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah give yeah, him a nipple twister. I'm, I'm saying like on paper, he has a moral obligation, right? No, but yeah, I agree with you there. My point is that in reality, a moral obligation is something you place on somebody else and you have to enforce that somehow. Oh. So unless, unless you're going to do that, unless you can do that, it's not yours or my, I'm basically, in my opinion, it's not my place to tell somebody they have a moral obligation if I am not in a position or willing to enforce them to oblige. Oh, wow. This is very relativistic of you. But it, if, I, if I had the power, if I was like the dictator of the world and I could sign by decree that the military will, you know, intervene if you don't fulfill your moral obligation, well, then I would, um, I would probably reconsider how I thought about it. But unless I have that, I, it's not for me to say. Mm, that's, that's an interesting way to think about power and how you, how you can issue force through decisions like that. Right. Like I could say that somebody should do something, but if, if I can't make them do it, then like my, what does my opinion matter? Mm -hmm. That's all I'm um, saying. I'm yeah. You're saying, so you're, you're really is what you are. As a, you're, you're not a relativist, you're a pragmatist. So sure, you're, yeah. you're like reality is what can actually get done. Yes. I would say that's yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not, I don't waste is too much time saying what should be it more of like, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to help do it somehow. Otherwise, yeah, but then we have the question of okay, we're going to do it somehow. Which way should we do it? Oh, no, we're talking about shoulds already. It's I think it's, it, eventually you're going to need the philosophers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even no, if no, you're sure, the wrong sure. way around. <laughs> I, I'm saying like more of a practical sense, like in my, you know, if I want something done, it's like, all right, I'll build this at my company or my company or like so I'll build my own company and we'll make this happen. This is the way we want to do it. This is the way we want it to be done. And like, that's kind of what like entrepreneurs are. And you've got politicians who are like, this is the way it should be. I'm going to run for office and I'm going to try to create a consensus so we can write a law and make it so that this is the way things have to be. Like that's how people express that in their lives or they, whatever they do to influence others. Um, that's kind of that avenue for trying to project morality you kind of find a group that uh, has the morals and virtues that you think are the most correct and you work within that group as best as possible and uh, try to express your 
view of the world through what you accomplish with that group and by yourself? Uh, this is a question I had. What if you had, what would a society look like if you never had to wait for anything? What would it look like? <laughs> I love, like do you mean like if I, if I want something, I just have it? Yes. Well, it'd be great because there'd be no problems. There'd be no scarcity. Everybody would just have what they wanted and they would just do their own thing. Well, I don't know. I, well, I guess you're right. You're right. You can't live on it. You have to have some sort of gradation of well, eventually, but wouldn't right away, right away though, every, people would want, like you and I would want two different things. Yeah, but you could have them. So there's no fight. There's no like resource battle. Like you could just have what you wanted. Yeah, not if they're mutual, not if there's mutually contradictory. So like if I want the White House to be painted blue and you want the White House to be painted red, we, we both can't, we can't both have our way. So yeah, there's there is scarcity. Oh, there's there scarcity. Be, wow, look at there'll that. There'll still be scarcity choice right of, of choice Real because estate, yeah. because there's scarcity of of like the, what is and what is need. not. So then you'll have to duel, and whoever lives gets to paint the White House. Exactly. <laughs> that's, well, that's how it, it would be. That's, would be, that's how it would be total war because everybody would be fighting over the same things. Exactly. Just like they are today. Okay, solved. Next question, Mike. We solved that one. Okay. Um, then I then I wrote uh, uh, something like uh, establishing pecking orders in social situations. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Which good. made me think it's just like you. It's it. I was thinking about how many sort of communities and uh, groups of people can they establish a social pecking order uh, without. It just happens, right? They don't even like. It's not like you. For, okay, can I give an example? Here we go. Every, when I was uh, every day of every life, of everybody's no, life. for sure. But I mean, this is maybe just stupid that I'm pointing this out. No, no, no. But, no. but um, I used to live in a like suburb, and I used to go to my friend's apartment all the time. And hang out in in his garage with a, a bunch of other, you know, crony, you know, me metal kids, right? The tape boys. Yeah, the <laughs> fucking tape. Um, so, so we, yeah, we 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 used to dick around. We used to fucking play video games, smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol. You know, be ruffians in in a way. But you could see just in that small group of uh that social gathering a pecking order is what i'm getting at and i'm it's just it's it's an interesting thought for me to think about that's all and i would like to offer that <laughs> before before we go to this conversation yeah when i was in the air force uh we went to survival school and survival school is like if your plane cr crashes in the enemy territory uh, and they're like, they got you prisoner of war and they're interrogating you. Like, don't like answer their questions with like confusing like memes or symbols of like from your culture that they wouldn't understand. So if they're like trying to give you to give them information, you say, oh, I'm just the bottom man on the totem pole. And then 
they don't know what that means. They're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Well, you're just, you're telling them like, I, I can't make any decisions. I'm just the bottom of the totem pole. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's like a totem pole, right? Like that's the, that's the human pecking order you're talking about. So your tribe would have a totem pole uh, and you, you could visually see displayed on the totem pole. Like what was the priority of, of whose opinion we listened to or whose wants to wow. fulfill. Wow. I didn't realize that totem poles are right. these sort and of beacons of information. Right. You look at like a corporate website and you go to their, like, this is our, our board of directors, right? And you got the CEO wow, the top wow. and all like the people in the higher. Right. And it's listed out. Like that's who. Who's who at was, the top uh, of the pyramid. Who's at the, yeah. Who's at the top. We, we do that every, in, in every facet of society somehow. Yeah. And in, in a lot of cases we put them literally at the top, like, Right, like the if you're the C- CEO, when you talk, you get to stand up on a thing. Right, higher. You're above everybody. <laughs> yeah. Remember, you remember like back in 2006, how fucking controversial it was if somebody was like moved out of your top eight in your MySpace profile. It's like, <laughs> well, come on, bro. I thought you, I thought we were, I thought we were boys. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting, like, like the exclusivity, right? Is uh, is like makes it scarce but it's so a a group is only only exists insofar as it excludes something you know Mm -hmm, for sure if you had a group with everything in it it wouldn't be a group because it would so you have to when you draw the circle you have to leave something out Mm -hmm. but then so like uh but if it's a group where you're adding to the group then this is not totally unrelated, but I got kind of high. Sorry. If it's a, if it <laughs> if you're adding to the group, like you're you're making the group larger and maybe more powerful. But with each time you add something to the group, you get one step closer to um, rendering it non-existent. Because once you add everything into the group, it ceases to be. So, like as in other words, like if you if you converted everybody, you would destroy the thing you had converted everybody to because there wouldn't be no right. It's like when a external like, existence to it. It's like when you and like hundred other people knew about it, like this underground band, and then next thing you know, they're like signing with Apple, and they're like their music is playing on like all the iPhone commercials, and they're like in the Transformers movies, right? Like that band, like it's nothing now. Like like he people call them hipsters right like oh i like that band before they were popular it was like well that's because it was it meant something to be a fan of that art when Mm -hmm. it was just like you had to find it and like only you and some other people appreciated it and then it goes mainstream and you're just like oh this is this is just a a mainstream uh you know thing now like it does it's got no meaning to it anymore they're just playing for the masses not playing for like their grot the people that came and listened to him and play in the garage. So do you think that the higher you get in attention, the sort of worldview you'll have is a little tighter? Uh, If your goal is to be like widely liked and widely popular and, and sell the most records or sell the most merch or whatever, then yeah, you kind of have to. If uh, if you kind of are 
one of those people who doesn't care so much about that wide adoption or that wide acceptance, then you can, you're still free to kind of be yourself, uh, but you're likely making some sort of trade-off. Like one example of somebody who was not, who didn't have to make that trade-off because they were so good is Prince, right? Like he's one of the best artists in the world, you know, in the, in his time, but he was, he was weird and he was unique and he didn't, uh, didn't sacrifice that. And it's, he still made it, became very popular. Whereas like Imagine Dragons is just been all garbage. Yeah, it really is garbage. <laughs> I, 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 I really come full, full circle. You know, I was like very snobby, you know, when I was younger and I was a, totally a hipster. Yeah. And then I became in, inclusive where I was like, you know, everybody just likes what they like and it's all different, it's all good. And now coming around again, I'm like, man, now some of this shit is really dog shit music. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have to like, I don't have to respect all this music. Some of this right. is straight dog shit, bro. But yeah. some of, but, uh, but way less of it than I thought. <laughs> you, you established borders in a way. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I think that it's like, when I was snobby, I was confusing popular with bad. But like Prince is popular and not bad. Right. Uh, so, but now what I, I think what I dislike is when you can just sense that something is just like superficial. Yeah, totally. Like when, when it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's produced, it's manufactured. Uh, just a product it's not an authentic <laughs> yeah it's not it's an authentic expression of so, like who they are if if an artist can deliver an authentic experience then over a longer period of time you know after they gain wealth and fame uh -huh. it, it's sort of like a more valuable artist i suppose yeah authentic is yeah. the word it right so right. Uh, 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 go ahead dan sorry no just say like Nickelback and Imagine Dragons, like that stuff, whatever they're, however you want to monetize it or value it, it's going to be much less valuable to have like a guitar pick from Chad Kroger right. in 20 years. Right. But, you know, you get one from, you know, a, like, a, like a Prince or whatever, like that's, it's more. Like, okay, I, I would give out, I would give out the example of Radiohead has consistently come out yeah, that's a great example too. Like they with, they got popular without changing, and they do change. Well, not change uh, without uh, you know losing losing that identity, that authenticity. Yeah, so like it's like Green Day is like example of that was like they came up kind of like a punk anti-establishment. Yeah. Now that you know that they were playing on like the voice and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That would be the equivalent of selling out, I suppose, yeah, right? Like Stephen Colbert. Like he was like really funny when he just came up through as like the Colbert Report. Now he's just like a sellout, like late night comedian who like just says whatever <laughs> like his corporate sponsors like pay him to say. Oh, that's true. That's for sure true. I didn't even realize that. Honesty. Um, Honesty is what you're getting at. So the, mm. the, what we want is for them to stay honest. 
So even if their art changes and they start doing something different or like, oh, he does acoustic stuff now, as long as they're being honest in the way that they were being when they started out, then we still... Yeah, they're being true to their nature. Right. So like the reason that Radiohead, we we was respected for a long time is because they were honest the whole time, even though they were changing, you know, but that, so like, I think when, when somebody sells out what, like what a big sellout. they start to lie. Right. When the big sellout in like this space, right. Just pop, right. He was like the different dude, the Bitcoin guy from like 2016, 17. And now he's just like had his show and he's just like, yes, yeah, here's all these scams. They paid me to be on here. He's yeah. Not he's, being, really, he's not being true anymore. He's just, he's trying he's to really like get a lot me. of flack. Yeah. Right. It, so he not, it, it's not just that he's, he's doing something different. It's that it's, he's not acting in good faith anymore. Right. Right. And I think that's what we want is we want good. Is we want you, good I think you also don't want to see someone redact their statements. Like t- tamper with their truth. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, oh yeah, like going back and like erasing your tweet where you said it's seen, it's seen as a in poor taste. Am I wrong? Can be, yeah. You mean like if you said something and then later on you go back and say that I don't think that anymore? No, like uh, you said something and then you delete the tweet or something like this. That's yeah. Not... You try to like just you don't yeah because if you apologize for something and you like or you show contrition like that's one thing, but you just like try to go back and act like it didn't happen. Like erasing tweets is, is the best example. Oh yeah, that's that's creepy. Yeah, I agree. That's like that's like some nineteen eighty four right stuff too, where you just like you're you're trying to alter history, to right? Make it's, it seem like you never made a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's the most it's the it's the most anti blockchain thing you can do. <laughs> right, 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 right. It seems like there's a connection between like or a gradation of honesty and how that connects to like message fidelity. So how clear is the message? Do I trust it? Uh, can, can I preserve it? Uh, is it the right message? Did it come from the right person? We were talking about scammers earlier. earlier. You know, you, you get, I, I get messages from people I know that are scams. It's so strange, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like information becomes valuable in that way that can I trust the information that's coming into my life in, in all facts and assets. Cause I interact so much on the internet, so much with virtual reality that the information coming back and forth is going to manifest itself in my actions. Totally. Yeah. Well, tr- I think it, truth is the main thing. Like that's, you want to, you're saying I, you want to make sure the signal is clear and you can trust the information well that's that's the only way anything lives i think you know you have to like even if you're a tiny little bug you have to be able to trust it like when you sense the vibration that means a certain thing you know like the even instincts have were programmed in but as a truth finding mechanism you know so I think that we're just like the only, everything is trying to find, everything is finding truth, but um, what differentiates humans is that we can, we're 
we can uh, abstract the concept of truth and, tr and try to find it intentionally, whereas other things just find it by everything that didn't find it died. <laughs> right. Adam, I'm going to say thank you for meeting with us tonight. This this was a nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. I I, uh, I want to sort of wrap wrap it up. Wrap wrap it up. Um. Do you have any closing thoughts, either one of you? That McDonald's I ordered was really good, and I'm full, <laughs> and now I'm really tired. Yeah, man, you ordered enough for everybody, but you ate it all yourself. I did. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. Thanks for having me on. It was it was fun. Oh yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. Do yeah. you do you want to leave your mark in any way where people can find you or if Who, you're working on something? Yeah. Leave my mark. Well, that is your mark, right? That's where people can find you. That's your yeah. scent. Your. Oh yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't really do anything uh, online very much. Okay. Well, I tell you, my, um, my Twitter account is at Booty Snatchers. So if you want to, if you want to uh, tweet me, I don't know what the good that's going to do. I don't have any followers or anything, so I can't, but that's what I am. All right. I don't know. I'll write, a, I'll write a book at, one day and you can promote it. At Booty Snatchers. Can you, before we go, I'm so sorry. Can you just speak a little bit about that name? Oh, Booty Snatchers? Yes. Yeah. Booty Snatchers is the a legendary rap uh, collective that's made up of Mike Mechanical a.k.a. Tsunami. Hurricane Filthy, a.k.a. The Master Prophet. And Economist, a.k.a. The Philosoraptor. You know what I'm after, baby. So those three geniuses produced a rap album about, must be it, 10 or 11, 12 years ago now. I think maybe 12 or 13 years ago now called Invasion of the Booty Snatchers. It's a kind of a lost, lost classic. Not a lot of people have it, but it is probably, I mean, one of the great works of American music. <laughs> I think I can say without too much exaggeration. H-A-L-L-O-W-E-N, Halloween, motherfucker. Check it, tree. that's right. Hey, well, yeah, so that's in, um, so that's how I got that name. Nice. Cool. All right, guys. I'm going to cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H R T L N D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Yeah.